0: Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: It seems everyone has something good to say about the late U.S. Senator John McCain, whose relationship with Canada was solid and steady over his lengthy political career. Joining us to discuss is political commentator Michael Tobe. And, of course, your memories of John McCain are welcome, 416 or toll-free 866 740 Michael, before we discuss John McCain, could we just get your take on the deal announced by Donald Trump in the last hour between the U.S. and Mexico?
2: Well, it's a huge disaster. You can almost summarize it like that, Jane. It's, it's not that I or many others are surprised. Quite a few people, and I'm one of them, have been suggesting for weeks that the U.S. and Mexico may go and sign their own bilateral agreement. Yes, a bilateral that is supposed to have NAFTA in mind, but is obviously to preserve the uh, trade partnership between those two countries. And I think we're now seeing it. And um, yes, it's true that Donald Trump has his moments where he doesn't say the truth all that much, or he embellishes it a fair bit, or if you want to use the term lies, that's perfectly fine. But I don't think on this one he is lying. I think that we have been hearing this for a few weeks now, that things were getting closer between the the Mexicans and the Americans. The Mexican government, the new Mexican government, has directly said that they would prefer that Canada was a part of this agreement. They do have NAFTA in mind, and they would like to preserve the North American Free Trade Agreement, but... At the same time, I think what we're seeing here, Jane, is that, uh, Donald Trump is just going to move ahead or barrel ahead, if you wish, with whatever his economic agenda is. And if that means that NAFTA has to be, quote unquote, terminated, to use his term today, and that two separate bilateral agreements are created between the U.S. and Mexico and the U.S. and Canada, so be it. But the, but for Canadians to sit back and say that Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government have had the the right policy by sort of staying out of a bilateral agreement or refusing to enter one. And basically, as of today, being the confirmation that nothing much is really happening, except for, we assume, the back channels behind the scenes that nobody talks about. This is a huge mess.
1: Well, how does Canada figure into it now? I mean, re- regardless of where it's been, where we go from today, I, where do the Canadian politicians uh, make a move? How do they make a move now?
2: Well, good question. Um, firstly, they're going to have to take a look at the finer details of whatever the US and Mexico agree to in their bilateral, and I'm sure they're going to go over it, some of it, and I'm sure they're going over some of it now, because things obviously leak at different periods of time. We would prefer they don't, but they do. And for that reason, at least if nothing else, Canadian trade officials can get a better idea or gauge exactly where the US and Mexico are going to be heading. Then it comes down to the point of what they advise. Um, one of the important things, obviously, in the NAFTA agreement is the protection of the auto industry for Canada. Mm-hmm. We have an enormous amount of jobs, an enormous amount of industry here, and it's going to be shattered. And I can put that no more nicely than that. Shattered if NAFTA falls apart. It doesn't mean that Canada and the U.S. cannot eventually reach some sort of an agreement with a bilateral that protects the auto industry to some degree, but the way things currently stand and the trade war that we're currently engaged with, the U.S., if we're left out of the puzzle completely and NAFTA falls apart by the wayside, we're in big trouble. So, quite frankly, the federal liberals are going to have to make a decision right now whether they are just going to sort of along the lines that Donald Trump has suggested at his uh, his presser at his desk earlier today just a few minutes ago whether Canada is just going to have an agreement with with Canada, the United States that there's going to be tariffs on autos or there's going to be a separate agreement made where somehow this tariff war is finally brought to an end. But the Canadian government, you know, I know that they've been sort of thinking there, sitting there and believing that in the end the U.S. and Mexico might not reach anything, that it would just be a lot of nothing and then that things would settle down as time goes along. Quite frankly, this is a very different direction the federal liberals have to be realistic now. It doesn't mean that they have to give in, apologize, or bow down at the, at the American altar or directly to Donald Trump, but they're going to have to do things differently because our economy is at stake now, and we can't play these games anymore.
1: He did mention uh, Donald Trump at his desk there. He just sort of casually said, I think we're, where we're going to go with Canada is just tariff their autos. Right. Uh, so explain for our audience, what's he what's he referencing? I mean, what is involved in
2: that very flip statement? I think the flip statement is what a lot of people have been worrying about, that, the, uh, that there's going to be an, an enormous amount of tariffs. It has been suggested or reported some in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 percent, although that number has not been confirmed and there's no point in suggesting that's the, that's the barrier, but a very strong and hefty tariff on products made in Canada that get shipped into the u.s. that being canadian auto parts and from auto parts makers as well and that's going to hurt our industry Mm -hmm. quite badly it doesn't mean that tariffs don't exist in our society we believe in a free market economy or most canadians do but at the same time i think they realize that you know when there are different sorts of trade regimes or agreements made between countries the hope is that you can eliminate most of the tariffs and restrictions, but that always a few will exist. Donald Trump has been in the motion in his two years, roughly as president, to rebuild that type of economic nationalism, to push again for tariffs with countries like the European, well, for trading blocs like the European Union, countries like China, and obviously based on that flip statement, which I think your, your description was quite apt, I think what Donald Trump is basically saying is that Justin Trudeau is going to have to make a decision whether he really wants to go ahead with a bilateral or b- discussions of a bilateral agreement with the U.S. or face the, the fact that the Americans are going to put heavy tariffs on our auto industry. Michael, and I don't think that's something sure. we can deal with.
1: In the interest of timing, I want to switch gears here and talk about John McCain. Sure. Uh, when you were a speechwriter for former, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Uh, were you uh, in the Harper uh, scene there in 2008 when John McCain brought his Republican presidential
2: uh, candidacy to Ottawa? Yeah, I was there. I was around. And um, I never met Mr. McCain. I actually never met him uh, on my during my travels. But I do remember him coming to Canada to discuss the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, and basically the importance of free trade in general. He looked at it as a trilateral agreement, which is unfortunately what, it's interesting to juxtapose that what's basically happening right now is NAFTA kind of collapses a couple days after he passes away. Mm-hmm. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, no, John McCain strongly believed in free trade. He was not a perfect small C conservative in all respects. And I think he was a bit too much of a maverick in other senses. He was not the type of conservative I necessarily gravitated towards. But on economic issues like trade or just free trade in general, he was very much on side believing that it it helped an economy, that it built the economic engine, that it created jobs, new business opportunities. And he was so important that he came during his... Presidential campaign, which he should have spent most of his time in the United States dealing with, he actually came to Canada to show that his campaign in the U.S. is also going to matter to Canadians directly, and that's actually, and again, another little component of his, of his maverick style. There haven't been American presidents who have done that. Sure, they've talked about other countries, and certainly they've talked about Canada as they've traveled through parts of the U.S. trying to either win the presidency or retain the presidency for a second term. But the fact that McCain thought that NAFTA was so important that he would come to Ottawa in 2008 to discuss it in front of a Canadian audience really shows how he thought, not just in terms of the domestic agenda for the U.S., but what he thought about the international stage. And that, if nothing else, makes him a very impressive figure, aside from obviously the fact that he was a great war hero and certainly served the country with loyalty. John McCain,
1: he he was a friend to Canada all the way along. It makes you wonder, and, and you made a good point, he takes time out of his presidential campaign to come to a different country, to come to Canada. What is it about the American relationship uh, with Canada that John McCain valued so much, or, or what do you suppose that to be?
2: I think it was actually the traditional relationship. We have had a long association with the United States. We've been called friends, um, allies, and trading partners for many, many decades. You know, even though obviously things have been kind of tough as of late between Donald Trump and Justin Trudeau, much like they were a bit skittish, if you may remember, during the days when Jean Chrétien was Prime Minister Mm -hmm. and the the anti-American sentiment that existed or permeated through the uh, Liberal Party, including former MP Carolyn Parrish. I mean, there were many examples of that. There have obviously been times when Canada and the U.S. have not been on the same political or economic page on an issue, and that includes the auto industry, uh, the lumber industry, and various, you know, acid rain when we basically negotiated that during the days of Brian Mulroney. There have obviously been points of dissension, but I think that John McCain, like many U.S. presidents uh, before him and many U.S. politicians, Republican or Democrat, both in the presidency and just in politics in the Congress, they all realized that the U.S.-Canada relationship was an important one. A special one and needed to preserve be preserved as best we can and i think that you know during the days of brian mulroney and ronald reagan when they had a very close personal relationship and political relationship They both respected one another because they liked the fact that they were willing to talk about issues like men. They were going to have points of disagreement, but in the end, they were going to find a way to move forward. And that's the way most presidents and most prime ministers have been able to handle things in Canada and the U.S. Unfortunately, what we're seeing with... Donald Trump is, he may obviously still realize that Canada plays a role in the U.S. economy in the sense that trade with Canada is a beneficial thing, but I don't think he necessarily sees it or possibly values it quite as much as previous U.S. presidents have. And he's basically just decided that either Justin Trudeau and the liberals play ball with him, or else he's just going to take his ball to right. a different court. Right. And I think that's what's happening.
1: I think it's all about that mutual respect, that you can have disagreement but still have mutual respect. And I, th- I think that really encapsula- encapsulates the way John McCain was as an individual. I mean, he even said that about Barack Obama, that yes. that clip has gone viral from 2008 when one of his supporters was critical of Obama, and he mm-hmm. said he's a good citizen, he's a good man, etc. We just disagree. And you mentioned uh, Brian Mulrooney there. Uh, He tweeted out very complimentary uh, comments about John McCain, as did Justin Trudeau, as did Christian Freeland, liberals and conservatives alike. Why Mm -hmm. do you think this is?
2: Again, it was part of McCain's maverick nature that he believed that all ideas were worth discussing and worth considering. It didn't matter if it came from a Republican or a conservative if you'd like, or it came from a Democrat or a liberal if you'd like. It was basically his philosophy was whatever makes sense to me and whatever I think is beneficial for his country, that being the United States and the US's representation on the international scene. I'm going to promote, which means that he would occasionally, as you say, form a, a friendship or some sort of a you know, collegial for, uh, relationship with someone like Barack Obama, who he ran against in the 2008 presidential election, but the two men respected one another. There was no question of that. They just had differences of opinion on politics and economics and various social policy as well. At the same time, as much as he treasured his friendship and relationship with President Ronald Reagan, as I suggested earlier, he did oppose Reagan a, a number of times when he actually sat as a senator from Arizona. And it wasn't that Reagan sat there and was fuming at the fact that John McCain was opposing him, he brought him into his office they talked about it you know if they didn't find a point of agreement they moved on and i think that that was the way john mccain handled his life he had friends from both sides of the aisle he created political bridges and built political bridges with people with republicans and democrats He would have his disputes within his own party, and at times he would actually praise the Democrats for coming up with a good idea, much the same way that he would work with Democrats, like the late late Russ Feingold on campaign finance reform, a famous bill that he put forward with Feingold. That was the way John McCain was, and that's why, you know, no matter what your political stripe is, it's hard not to like John McCain because he was just so unusual for the political times that we lived in, which are now very partisan, very politically charged, and the friendships and the political bridges that were built in the past are being bombarded or destroyed today, you know, the, to basically create a different analogy. And for that reason, you sort of look at John McCain as a politician of a different time period. When politics was, shall we say, Jane, more civil, more civil, and more open to bilateral negotiations, or at least bipartisan negotiations, if nothing else.
1: Is evidence of that, Michael, the fact that the flag at the White House is back to full staff?
2: Well, a little bit. I mean, I know that some of uh, Donald Trump's supporters have pointed out that he actually did have the flag down long enough, if you sort of look at the the quote-unquote rules that exist. But because it happened during a weekend, Jane, I don't think it would have been all that harmful for Donald Trump, who had no love lost uh, for John McCain, as John McCain had no love lost for him. The two men disliked each other thoroughly. I think that the U.S. president should have just kept it at half-mast, maybe to, like, let's say, the close of business today, just to get away from that potential argument. Because what's a few extra hours? There were a lot of people on both sides of the political ire who admired John McCain, And it would have actually been a final show for Donald Trump, who has been told not to come to John McCain's funeral, you know, and just to basically keep his distance, so to speak. It would have been the final way to honor a man who, yes, obviously was a very different political animal than many that we see in Washington today, to just honor the fact that he basically gave himself to his his country. The loyalty, the honor, the respect, the decency, the kindness that he showed I think it would have been just a nice thing to do, and to basically put it up at full mass today, as you suggested, was absolutely unnecessary, and it's just creating a lot of bad feelings. I think when it comes to someone like John McCain, treat them as well as they should be treated, respect and honor the memory and the legacy that he has created, even if you don't necessarily agree with them on every single aspect— And leave it at that. I mean, what's a few hours in the grand scheme of things?
1: This is why I always enjoy speaking with you, Michael. A very respectful uh, discussion about, I guess in some circles, a controversial figure um, before and after his death. Thank you so much for your time.
2: My pleasure as always, Jane. Take care.
1: Political commentator Michael Tobe.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.